0: Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen,
1: and get ready to level up.
0: Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me a special guest, Larry Haggard of The Dad Edge. Now, I've met Larry through a couple of mutual friends, one being Zach Babcock, the other being George Bryant. Um, but Larry, for people that don't know you, don't know your story and give us a little bit of your background and a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, and ju- just, just a slight correction, my last name is pronounced Hagner. Um, and not Hagar, uh, but that that's okay. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody was clear on it. Uh, my my background, you know, I I've, I'm the host and founder of the Dad Edge. Um, it's it's a podcast dedicated for men, husbands, and fathers who are basically wanting uh, resources and skills to level up their game as as a husband, as as a father, their mindset, the whole nine yards and uh it is absolutely positively made for the imperfect man the the man who is just trying to do this just a little bit better and uh you know he's taking steps to do so it's it's made for the man who is imperfect yet very very hungry you know to to live his best life to create an extraordinary marriage and to create an incredible connection with his kids that's filled with adventure and memories and and just a really good solid life
0: yeah no i love that larry i love that um So let's, let's take it this way a little bit. I know that you're an entrepreneur, you've been in business, you've done stuff like that. And this podcast is about breaking that six figure barrier. But we also know that family life is huge and important. That's why I wanted you on the show. How do you help guys balance that? Because I know, like, especially in the space that I'm in, a lot of guys get into the, I'm going to go and build and build and they're not always connected as well as they should be with their family, with their wives, with their kids, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think the first rule of thumb is to realize there is no balance. And in fact, I would I would caution your listeners that if anybody, if if, if anybody out there is selling you a bag of goods that is related to balance as far as like your business, your marriage, and your kids, just run the other direction. It's not possible. However, you can have what what I like to call optimization and integration. So what is that? Well, let's just talk about what that means. You know, let's talk about seasons for a moment. There are going to be seasons in your life where your business is going to require more of your attention than your family. I know that sounds crazy, but, and I'm not talking about like I'm hours upon hours upon hours in the office and you're just diehard neglecting your family. But what I am saying is the pendulum sometimes from a timing perspective is going to swing in that direction just a little bit more. You're still going to spend time with your wife and kids, but it might not be as much. But there are going to be times where you're like, man, I, I really, in order to scale this business or get it to the next level, I need to log a few extra hours, you know, in, in the business, you know, this week, this month, this season, right? Now, the, the thing that you want to make sure of is that that, is, that doesn't create a total habit right around that. There are going to be times where your marriage is absolutely going to require more of your time and attention than your business. And that's okay. If your marriage is in a spot where it needs a little TLC, You better not be spending more, more hours at the office because that is not what is needed. And there are also going to be times where your, the relationship with your kids is just going to require more of you. You know, an example of that is I have, I have a one-on-one client. I make room in my calendar for four one-on-one clients per week, and that's it. And as of right now, I'm full, um, which I'm very blessed to say that one of my clients, he's 37 years old, highly successful businessman, Um, and just had his first kid, uh, three and a half weeks ago. And his big thing is like, man, I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. And I'm like, listen, Hey man, like let's pump the brakes here for a second. These first 30, 60, 90 days, your wife is really going to need you. Yep. You know, she's, she emotionally needs companionship. She needs that for safety, right? She needs to feel love. She needs to feel like you guys are arms length. You know, this kid, like, listen, I've got four boys this kid, I would give anything right now to go back and hold my little baby boy. I can't do that. I was like, your business is going to be just fine. He's actually, he's been in business for years. His business is scaled to where he really doesn't need to be in it. He just feels he needs to be in it. I told him, I was like, you need to give yourself grace and time. At least take this first 90 days and soak up as much as you possibly can before you get back in the office. I was like, and that's, that's okay to be out of quote unquote balance because that's not what, that's not what's required of you right now. If your business was dying on the vine, maybe, but it's not. You have people that can run this for you. Your wife needs you. Your kids need you, or your son needs you. Let's do that for right now. And so, like, it's it's a massive shift for a lot of guys, you know, to to understand that. But it's really okay uh, for for those things to be a little out of balance, and for your time and attention to be put in those areas where it's needed most for that season.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Like I have three kids and I know when my wife had our last one, that first 30 days, like I was a lot more involved than the first two because as you get older and you have more kids, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I messed this part up. I need yeah. to be more involved and engaged. And yeah, I, I'm with you as well. I would love to be able to go back. My youngest is eight now and go back to when you can just hold them do all that. Um, but I, I think you mentioned some super key points there you don't have to always be focused on one or the other you need to know what season of life you're in how you're progressing with that um so as as you're going along with this type of thing here Larry what would be some other key steps for like, like we're talking about men here, like you mentioned that guy's first time he's having a kid, maybe they're dealing with relationships with the wives because most entrepreneurs are to the extreme and understand the balance of it. But what are some key things that men can do to, maybe they've been too far into their business or life that they can do to you know, get back engaged with their family?
1: So great question. I love the question. Um, here's what I'll tell you. Uh, in order to... <laughs> In order to increase sales in your business, Joe, what, what do you think is required to increase sales in your business?
0: Uh, Sales-wise, well, I'm a salesman, so like prospecting, follow-up, closing relationship, really when it comes down to it, building the relationship so that you get okay. more sales.
1: Is there a skill set in building relationships? Yes. Absolutely, right? So here's here's what the biggest miss is for for men, husbands and fathers as it relates to their marriage. Okay, a lot of us think, well, I love her, so this should just happen naturally like and or I, I care about her. We're married, so we should just flourish just because there's there's no greater misconception than that. In order to increase sales, right, you have to learn the skill sets of being a good salesperson, right? A good mentor, a good guide, a good teacher. That's a lot of what a salesperson actually does is those things, right? Plus, they're very, very good at communicating, and they're very, very good at building trust and relationships. Those things don't happen by accident. They don't happen because we wake up one day and be like, yeah, I feel like doing all those things, and it should just come naturally to me. We don't view that as something that we do in our business that should just come naturally. And it's not something we should view that just comes naturally in our marriage. Sorry, not sorry. It just doesn't work that way. A lot of us don't really understand. I was on a huge podcast um, platform a couple of weeks ago with Vince and Adrian Del Monte. And they asked me, they're like, what's the edge? What is, what is the, the dad edge? And I was like, the edge is skills. That's the edge. I was like, the edge. So, as as it relates to marriage, right? I'm going to rattle off some things. And if these sound completely foreign, that means you don't know what the skills are. In order to create an an extraordinary marriage with elevated communication, with deep intimacy and connection, you have to know skills. So, let me give you an example. Uh, In order for you to communicate effectively, you have to know what empathy is, not sympathy, what empathy is. You also have to know how to emotionally label your wife. So what does that mean? If you come home and say, how was your day? And she's like, Oh my God, today was crazy. I had such a horrible day and the kid was doing this. And then I got a phone call from that and I forgot to pay the water bill and blah, blah, blah. What a lot of guys will do is we will rush in, you know, guns blazing and be like, well, why are you so upset? That's not such a big deal here. Let's fix it. And what that does is that completely decimates the intimacy and the connection with your wife. We don't do it that way because that comes from such a good, noble place in men because we are wired to take away pain because we want to protect. We're wired to also problem solve. Like that's what that's what we do. If I come mm-hmm. to you, Joe, and I, and I'm venting about something, right? I'm not looking to vent and for you to just hear me. I'm like, all right, man. Like, what do you think I should do? Yeah, right? I'm looking for you yep. to help me. I'm looking for advisement. That's not necessarily what our wives are looking for. So one of the things that we can do is just simply, it sounds so simple, but what we do simply is just simply label what you feel that your wife is thinking, or I'm sorry, what she's feeling. So if you come home and she says that, and be like, wow, that sounds like an overwhelming day. Who wouldn't be overwhelmed? Tell me more about what happened. Now, what I just did there is I didn't put my Mr. Fix-It hat on. I just labeled the emotion that I think she's feeling, which is overwhelm. What I do in that moment is I see you. I heard you. Tell me more. I counted off three things seen, heard. Tell me more. Tell me more. Safety. She has three basic needs, right? To feel seen, to feel heard, and to feel safe. When those three needs are fulfilled, she feels really damn good about you and damn good about the marriage. And she's like, oh my gosh, like you're just, you're my dream man right now. But you have to do that. That's emotionally labeling. Another thing too is being able to mirror somebody. Mirroring somebody is where you just simply repeat the last three words that she said or three key words that she said. Anytime you want to use the word why, replace it with mirroring and I'll I'll tell you why psychologically. So if I come home, same thing. How was your day? Oh my gosh, today was so overwhelming. The kid did this and I forgot to pay the water bill and this happened. I just I feel so overwhelmed right now. Now, if I say... If I want more from her, right, I might be like, so if she says today was so today was crazy, I don't even know how I got through the day. I might just simply say, you don't know how you got through the day. That's it. And what what that does to her is she is going to explain more Mm -hmm. automatically because she's not going to want the silence, number one. But if I say if I repeat those words back to her, what it triggers in her mind is, He heard every single word that I said so much so that he's using my words versus like, well, why was the day so overwhelming? Yep. Now, if I do that, I'm going to get a why. But what I've just done is I pointed the finger at her. I put her in a corner and be like, and I kind of basically said, that doesn't really sound like a big deal to me. Why do you feel that way? Kind of like shame on you in a way, right? And we don't like that. The word why puts us back in our two-year-old selves when our parents would point at us, be like, why are you doing that? Why are you crying? And it's just very, it, it, it's, it's accusatory. We don't like it. So mirroring is another one. Another one is voice tone. A lot of us bypass this one. How many times have you been in a conversation with somebody, your wife, and she's like, why are you angry? And I'm like, well, what? <laughs> Multiple times. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not angry at all. Why would you even ask that? Right. And then, of course, I, I throw in the why, right? Well, it's the tone in your voice. I don't have a tone in my voice. What do you mean I have a tone in my voice? So, like, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So, Joe is wearing these, the, this headset, right? And in the headset, it looks super high tech. Now, if I use a voice tone of like, Joe, man, dude, what's up with that headset, man? Right. I want you to take in how you feel when I use that voice tone, I'm like, man, like, t- tell me about that headset, man. I'd be like, <laughs> Joe uh <laughs> to uh tell me about the uh, headset bro yep. like i used the exact same words what did the first one feel compared to the second
0: yeah the first one made me feel like you liked it that you thought it was cool and it was like you know a rad headset the other one's like bro why do you have that on your head are you crazy yeah, yeah. it was
1: just the tone change and i just used the exact same words right so that those are three skill sets i'll give you one more the last one is what we call generative questions Generative questions are an open-ended question that get to someone's soul, okay, to get to someone's gratitude, to get to someone's challenges. And the reason we call it generative questions is because it generates a lot. For the other person, if you ask a very good question, it generates connection. It generates safety. It generates intimacy. It also generates visions and images gratitude, all kinds of really good feelings. And then the person has to answer you and share what the answer is. So let me give you an example. I say this all the time. My audience is probably sick and tired and blue in the face of me using the same example, but it is very, very simple. And if you're good, if your listeners are going to walk away with one thing, it's this, the number one question we ask when we come home from work is how was your day? Let, Let me just Let's stake a flag in the ground right now and and just commit to saying we're not gonna ask that question anymore. It's a shitty question that doesn't require any thought. And it's a it gives the person an easy out to give you a really shitty answer that get, has basically no thought. When I ask my wife or my kids that, I'll get one word answers. Fine, good, busy, crazy, boring. Yep. Right. That's what I get. Now, if I flip that around and just say, tell me about something that made you laugh today. And then suddenly the person has to generate ideas images and they're 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 thinking about their entire day well man let me what what did make me laugh oh my gosh like i got to catch up with my friend jill today and she told me this really really funny story about what happened to her because she drank too much wine when she was at this airbnb this past weekend she went to walk out the screen door and slammed right into it and had this huge bloody nose and i was laughing so i wasn't laughing at her but oh my god it was a funny story And then suddenly my wife, no matter what mode of mind she's in, I've now elevated her energy and her happiness. And even like, and now she's sharing it with me, which elevates our relationship, our connection. And those are the types of questions that are beautiful, right? Another question would be, you know, tell me something I currently do that makes you feel most loved, right? That's a beautiful question because what your wife has to do is think about you and her and all these amazing things that you do, and then she's reliving those and then telling you those. And the beautiful thing that we get to do with that answer is be like, Oh, wow, I really know the I, I thought it was, you know, these three things, but it's actually these three things, I'm going to double down on those and make sure I'm doing those more often. So generative questions are such a simple yet overlooked way the, the problem is, is most of us have no clue what they are, how to come up with them. Um, I have a free resource for guys. If you're interested, you can just go to the dad forward slash questions, 25 questions. It's called 25 intimate conversation starters, where I train you on why they work so well. And then I give you 25 of them to then go use. Yeah, no, I
0: love that, Larry. Cause I think a lot of times, like you said, we go into autopilot or we ask the shitty question like how your day was instead of being intentional. And what right. I heard through that whole thing was being intentional. And like in sales, we talk about this here, see, feel. It's the same thing. It's just a different aspect of it because when you're talking with your wife, you're so used to different things that if you don't make it intentional, then it's like you said, you come in and you accuse her, she accuses you, and you're both arguing and you don't even know why you're arguing because you're just you know caught up in the mess.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing too. Um if you don't (coughs) bless you. Did you see that? Oh my god! Like I knew it was coming. I'm like, uh, wait, hey, hey! Real life happened. Real life conversations. It's great. That's right. (laughs) Um, But, um, but yeah, you know, I actually forgot the question.
0: (laughs) Uh, We were talking about being intentional and how, if you come home and you're just like, "Hey, how was your day?" and you just, you know, take the easy way out instead of being intentional with your wife and developing the relationship and making her feel seen and heard. That was kind of more of what we were talking about with that, and you were going to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the cool thing about going back to the original question, like what if guys want to double down on their marriage? What if they want to do that? Uh, what, what I have found most of the time is that when, when men want to double down on their marriage, they'll be like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go do that. Or I'm just gonna be better about that. And, or I'm going to do more of something. I would be very cautious with any, any of my clients or any, anybody I work with, I was like, be very cautious of the two words more and better because there's no way to measure it and you don't know exactly what you're doing. Like, so I'll give, you an, I'll give you an example. Let's just say you and your wife don't have the best connection in the world, okay? And let's just say you have an hour of time with her every single night. It's just you guys, right? The kids are in bed and, you know, but instead you watch Netflix for an hour, Right. Now, if you were like, I'm going to spend more time with her, Mm -hmm. and unless you know what more time looks like, or what you're going to do at that time, more time doesn't get you anything. Right? It just gets you more of what is probably already currently happening. So I always tell people, be very, very diligent about learning the skills, because once you have the quote unquote more time, or you don't even really need the more time, what you really need is the current time right? Because you can actually create an incredible connection with your wife in 10 minutes. You really can. You just have to know how to do it. The other thing too is, uh, well, I want, I, I want better communication with her, right? I want better. And, But if you really get to the heart of men and challenging them is like, okay, well, what does better look like? Well, you know, we're, we're talking more. Okay. Talking more about what? What are you, what are you talking more about? Oh, you know, we're just interacting more about what though. And a lot of times they can't tell me and and what they'll usually default to is like, Oh, you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about like, you know, things we need to do together, like, you know, managing dinners better and managing parenting the kids and doing this. I was like, that's only one of four different pillars in your marriage. You've got your own self-care, you've got partnership, which is what they're hitting on in that moment. Partnership is the business side of marriage. That's That's the roles. That's the high level managerial things that we're doing. You do this. I do that. This kid's got football. This kid's got piano. We're going Mm -hmm. here. We're going there doing that. That's that's partnership. And we do spend a ton of time talking about that. In fact, that's the easiest layup conversations to have because we have that stuff in common, but it doesn't provide any intimacy for us. Then you have friendship, which is like, hey, at the end of the day, do I like hanging out with you? Do you like hanging out with me? Do we like going on walks and hikes and just hanging out? And then the fourth one is lovers. And what most of us will do is we'll spend so much time in that partnership loop of talking about these high-level managerial things. And then we're wondering like, well, why is my intimacy not getting any deeper with her? It's because you're talking about the high-level managerial things. You're not talking about friendship. You're not talking about lovers. You're talking about these safe things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I always encourage men is like, more time with her and quote-unquote better communication or more communication is not going to get you more. You've got to know what to do. In those times where you are interacting with her. And if you don't, hey, listen, if you don't know, that's really okay. It's really okay. Because guess what? We weren't taught. Like we weren't taught this stuff. You know, last time I looked, emotional IQ, relationship dynamics, um, communication, intimate communication, none of these things are offered in school. And we certainly don't learn them from our parents. However, I always I always let guys off the hook. If you don't know these things, man, it's not your fault. You're not taught these things. However, if you don't learn them, well, that is your fault. Yeah. Because there are resources now where you can learn. Right. Yeah.
0: When I think, like you said, a lot of times we get it's easy, and because guys are more doers, and we're like we check the little boxes. Well, we talk. Well, maybe like you said, we talk for an hour, but if you don't talk about what stirs their heart, what makes her happy, what dreams and plans she has compared to did you pay the bills oh you took the kid here there that's yeah it's I think learning to cultivate the relationship and actually hearing our wives instead of it being that business thing they're like why am I not getting any intimacy now we spent three hours together well yeah, yeah you didn't cultivate it at all you didn't take her out on a date you didn't do anything fun you didn't get her away from the kids like I was thinking about this the other day my wife homeschools what she wants to do and all with our youngest and she gets really really busy and what i found that she needs sometimes is just space like yesterday she just wanted space so i had a little in the bedroom i was in the front room i just gave her like three hours of space but that's what she wanted It's finding what they actually need so that when you're in communication then you can be intimate i think that's something that us guys mess up a lot of times
1: oh we totally do yeah and that's the thing though. We we don't know that stuff and we don't know what we don't know. That's why I'm, I'm always very empathetic to men, you know, when they come and work with us. Cause like, we'll ask them, you know, you know, like, Hey, where are you, where are you at with these things and how, what's your understanding of them? And usually it's, it sounds to them, it sounds very foreign and that that's really okay. As long as you're willing to learn. I mean, cause the skills actually aren't hard to learn, but once you're willing to learn them, that's when your life really does change
0: yeah and and again, and then it's just the practicing and getting right. into the conversations and and all of that. Now, I also know you do a lot with your your kids and all like you did the bodybuilding with your one son, you done some other stuff. How has your relationship with your kids changed as you've built this business and become a man and learned more over time?
1: i I honestly couldn't imagine what my relationship with my kids would be without doing this work. Uh, and i and I say that because I've got a really good relationship with all four of my boys. And I would say I always like to talk about the older two, the 14 and the 16 year old, because they're teenagers. And stereotypically, you know, people always tell me, oh, wait till they get to the teenage years. You know, they're not going to want anything to do with you. They're not going to tell you anything. They're always going to lie to you. You know, they're going to want to be out with their friends. My two teenagers are homebodies. And and my my 16 year old, my 16 year old has two favorite words, let's talk. I love that. We talk every single night for probably 10 to 30 minutes about his day and stuff like that. And I'll share with you something that happened this past weekend. My wife was out of town and, um, it was just me. It was, she had the littles, my, my eight year old and my six year old. I had the bigs, which is the 16 and 14 year old. And my four, my 16 year old was gone all day on Saturday. He had a band competition and then he went to um A breakfast place with his friends late at night, and he came home and he's like, "Hey, can we talk?" Which is not uncommon. He asked me that every night. I'm like, of "Course you can." I was getting ready for bed, and and he's like, "I really need to talk about something that happened today." And I'm like, "Okay, what's up?" And he basically laid out. He's like, "I really don't like how my friends act sometimes." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, we were at this restaurant. He's like, it was IHOP. He's like, they were." talking really loud and they were using you know they were cursing a lot and I could he's like I could tell I was looking around at the other families and stuff like that that I I knew we were bothering people he's like so I just kind of put my head down and didn't say anything and just and then finally the manager came over and basically told us if you guys don't quiet down you're out of here and I was like interesting I was like and I was, was he didn't have to tell me that right? Because if anything, a lot of times kids have fear of like, well, you know, well, why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Or what, you know, it's like, kind of like these shaming and these pain things, right? And I was just like, dude, I was like, hey, thanks for, thanks for telling me that. I was like, I'm sure that probably took a little courage. I was like, but, and then what I do is I just simply reflect back to him and just say, well, how do you feel about that? You know, I was like, well, because we we've all talked about like, you know, even though you weren't engaging in it. However, you're one of the seven kids who are there. So if you're, if, if six of you are in trouble, you're in trouble too. Yep. Like, you're just guilty by association? It doesn't matter if you did it or not. He's like, yeah, I know. He, and then he told me about a friend of his and how he likes to speed really bad when he's driving. And I'm like, well, that's not really safe. I was like, and then we talked about like how he can be the man who speaks up. Right. And, and basically is confident with it and that kind of thing. But Here's what I'll tell you. Um, I've created this environment with my kids, which is another skill set that we teach in marriage and with parenting, which is creating an environment of psychological safety. Creating an environment of psychological safety is, and if you don't know what that is, let me just give you a quick reference point. If you've ever been in a conversation and somebody just stopped talking and looked at you and said, I don't know what it is about you, but I feel like I can tell you anything. Or flip side, you've ever told somebody that, there's an environment of psychological safety that you either set up and you probably didn't know it or the other person did. And usually what happens is, is the, the person who's listening to whatever it is that you're saying is creating this environment where they're just listening to you in this judgment-free zone. They're probably being very empathetic with you and they're, they're labeling some of the things that they're hearing in motions and that kind of thing, but they're not judging you. They're not lecturing you. And they're just simply asking you questions to get you to talk more. Usually creating an environment of psychological safety, you don't have to talk very much at all. You just have to be the one who's the warm listening and being empathetic and reflecting back. Most people don't know that. I've used that skill set a lot with my boys and they do tell me like, there are some things that my boys tell me and I'll just be like, I cannot believe mm-hmm. he just told me that. So I'll tell you that if you want to create this connection with your kids, it's, it's, it's very similar to marriage that it takes these skill sets to do it. And here's the funny thing. If you really want to elevate your marriage, the same skills apply for your kids because your kids have the same three basic needs as your wife does to feel seen, to feel heard and feel safe. That's your kid's three basic needs as long as your wife, right? Obviously the level of intimacy is a bit different, but the skills are the same. But where would I be without Dad edge? I would be divorced. I would have two boys, not four. And my two older boys probably wouldn't want much to do with me. I would probably be on my second, maybe third marriage at this point. I'm not kidding. And I'd be insanely unhappy and lost. And I probably would have an ego that would protect me from why it was somebody else's fault and not mine. That's probably where I'd be. I'm not kidding.
0: No, no, I believe you. Like, I I, I understand that. And I want to touch on that. But I want to go back to what you mentioned about doing the safety thing with your kids and all. I had a buddy of mine tell me this when I was younger, like a young man. He said, Hey, date your kids as well. So like I took all my little ones from when they were really young. And once a week we would go out to McDonald's wherever I'd let them talk to me about anything. Now my oldest daughter is 20. She tells me about her boyfriends, that level of connection. You mentioned that just that hit home. But I think a lot of guys, we don't always know. Like my dad was, he was a working dad. He would do the work stuff, but that was it. And I love him like we have a great relationship now but when we were kids that's what he would do. So I love this whole setup of you know being intimate with him talking with him doing that aspect of it. so how do guys who maybe they have kids that are a little bit older, but they have not established that, what would be some key steps that they could do, or girls, because I'm sure they're supposed to listen to as well, that they can interact with their kids better or maybe start opening the doors with their kids? Because maybe, again, they thought, I'm supposed to provide, but they're not as engaged as they wanted to be.
1: You know, so I, I will tell you, first of all, um, let, let, me, let me answer the question that I think comes before this question first. Which is how do I how do I create an environment where I don't have to worry about backtracking and then suddenly scrambling to make this connection? Uh, here, here's what I'll tell you: We don't go, you know, twenty thousand miles in a car without getting an oil change. There's preventative maintenance. There are things that we do. Our entire lives you know, are centered around a lot of preventative maintenance. You don't go to the dentist every five years. You go to the dentist every six to nine months, right? Mm-hmm. Keep your yep. teeth in, in, in working order, right? You go get a physical every year. You know, you get your blood work done, every, or at least you should be. You get your car, you know, your tires rotated. You get all these things done. Your kids and those relationships, man, they're the exact same thing. So what I will tell you, I started off with my kids very young like date nights and one-on-one time and and conversations and here's what i'll tell you let's just talk about kids under the age of 10 right D- do do whatever it is that b- allow them to bring you into their world mm-hmm. so like i love date nights and date nights are more than just activity you know and it's 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 about conversation it's about memories it's about generative questions right so like for instance if i have right now my um my eight-year-old he just loves soccer all of a sudden just out of nowhere he's never been really into sports at all but loves soccer well lately he's like hey dad can we go up to you know the high school and kick the ball around and i'm like yeah and then after that you want to go get like a milkshake yeah so like we'll go up there and as we're knocking the soccer ball around, like I'll ask them I'll be like, dude, like what was, what was the best part of your day today? Like, what was, what was something funny that happened to you today? Right. What was something that you failed at today? What'd you learn? Right. And we'll do this stuff and and we'll have fun and and we'll do an activity and then we'll go out for a milkshake. I'll ask them more questions and we'll joke around. Maybe we'll bring like a, an Uno card deck, you know, to play Uno or something else. Just something to just basically symbolize. I'm interested in you. I'm here for you and nothing else in the entire world matters, right? So that's, that's kids under 10, your teenagers. This one is a bit more tricky, especially if you don't have the connection. Now, here's what I'll tell you. I always like doing something physically active with my kids because what it does is it, 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 breaks down the barriers, right? I'll give you an example, if I want to have a heart-to-heart with my 14-year-old son, he loves Starbucks and he loves Frappuccinos. But if I go right in for the Starbucks and the Frappuccino and we're sitting face-to-face, nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes, and I start talking to him, he's not going to really open up to me. Right. And I, and I have experience with that. I know that. Now, if we go and we hit the gym because he loves fitness, mm-hmm. or if we go play a couple games of tennis and neither one of us are good at it but we just love to play, and uh, we'll go play tennis. We get some laughs in and then we go to Starbucks. It is amazing. It is night and day. The conversation and the energy and the connection versus if I go in cold and I try to just take him out somewhere and ha- have a talk with him. If I do something active with him to to bring connection to us, to bring laughter to us, to have an experience between the two of us, my conversation with him is going to be much more fulfilling than not. And usually what I'll do is Again, you you have to allow them to bring you into their world. So I'll give my kids choices like, "Hey man, like it's been a while since we've kind of hung out. I'd like to take you out on Wednesday night. Do you want to go play tennis or do you want to go to the to the firing range? And then we'll go grab dinner. Which one would you like to do?" And he'll tell me, you know, be like, "I really want to go play tennis." I'm be like, "All right, cool. We'll go play tennis. I don't care what we do. I, I really don't. As long as we're doing something." But you know, being very creative with your questions, and I also would would. Anytime you want to be the guru and advise your teenager on the life that they're not living or the life that they should be living and instead ask them questions to get them to talk. Right. So if, if they start talking about like, I, I've had my 14 year old talk about some of the experiences he's had with, um you know, kids and that he runs with that unfortunately are getting into bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of them was, he doesn't hang out with the group anymore, but when he did, he'd be like, yeah, you know, like we were at Walmart and so-and-so wanted to shoplift or we, you know, now so-and-so is vaping, you know, now so-and-so is stealing his dad's beer. And instead of like coming down on him, like a wrath, I'd be like, "What? what's your stance on that? And he, he'll tell me, and he has, he wants no part of that stuff. Like, well, let me ask you this. If you were to, if you had to sit, if you had an opportunity to sit down with your friend who is stealing and you were to advise him, what would you tell him? You know, and and sometimes just putting them in that situation of like, what would you tell him? A lot of times, whatever lecture that I think is so incredible and game changing, he's got a much better message than I do. And mm-hmm. most importantly, he's the one articulating it. So he's the one who's learning it as he's teaching it to me, which is way more impactful than me telling him what he should be doing or telling him what he should do in that situation.
0: Yeah, I love that because you're empowering them, you're guiding them, but you're making it to where they feel a part of it. Kind of even from the men do stuff together. So you're getting them to let a scar down by getting active and physical, then you're opening the door, but you're not like, you have to do this. You're like, Hey, what are you? I, I, that's, that's huge. I think that's like a game changer.
1: I think, I think the conversation is like getting them to talk and articulate because here's a cool thing too. If I tell him what I think he should tell his friend, the chances of him remembering it are not very high. The, the if he is the one that articulates it, the chances of him remembering it are very high. And if he gets the opportunity to have a one-on-one with his friend, he's already had a role play. Yep. He, he already he already has a really good idea of what he would say, right? And the likelihood of that conversation happening is probably going to be higher.
0: Yeah. I love that. And we're not done, Larry, but just so people yeah. who are listening, maybe they want to find you. I like to put it in the middle of the show, just that way they don't hop off at the end. Where can people find you at?
1: Uh, you can find everything we're doing at the dataedge.com. Um, you know, Yeah. Everything I do is, is the Dad edge on, on Instagram and website and all that. I'm not hard to find. So if you just, even if you just Google the data edge, I'll, I'll come right up. Awesome. Thank you, my friend.
0: So let's talk a little bit about podcasting as well. Like we talked about family, we talked about kids, we talked about, you know, relationships and all, but you are coming up on, I think it's what, almost a thousand episodes during the 900s. Are you not for the Dead edge?
1: I think we're like right at a thousand. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that is crazy. So how have you had the capacity to keep doing that? Like, cause I mean, most podcasters stop after eight, 15 is like you're getting in the top 5%. Has it been the driving factor of just helping men and families, or what's made you be this consistent?
1: That's a really good question. I've I've never in seven years I've never missed one podcast episode, not one deadline, ever. Uh, I to be honest, I think I think it comes from a very selfish place and unselfish place. The selfish place means when I interview somebody, I view it as a beautiful learning experience. So like, for instance, if I get to sit down and have a conversation with Jocko Willink about the dichotomy of, you know, extreme ownership and leadership and how it relates to parenting and marriage and mindset, I'm, I, I, I take that as a privilege and an honor. I I don't want to not do that because one of the coolest things about this seat that I sit in, I, I view it as the front row to a education that I, I, is, is invaluable, right? We, we can all go out and get degrees and, you know, certifications and that's all important and I'll find them well, but this is life lessons. And I am hungry. I'm, I, I am, I am a life learner, man. Like I, and there's, there's no off switch for that for them, for me. So for me, the podcast, every single podcast guest that I've come across, I've learned one new thing at least or, or I've tweaked one new thing that I already f- learned from maybe somebody else. And I, and maybe it's like lesson 2.0 for that. Right. So it is a constant, you know, if you look at Stephen Covey and the five or the seven habits of highly effective people, the last one is keep the sword sharp. Mm-hmm. Right. Always, or I think he says sh- sharpen the saw regularly. Yeah. The podcast has become the way I sharpen my own saw. It's, I get to have all these amazing conversations, get to learn. And then the cool thing about being a podcaster, as you know, is the audience gets to learn right along with you. They get to go go with you for the ride. So that's why I say it's a very selfish thing, but it's also unselfish because I want to give it to as many men who are willing to listen and, and want to learn as well.
0: Yeah. No, no. I, I like that. I, I like that a lot. I think my thought process is the same with coming up, like I said, on my 100th episode, getting to talk to different people is like... You you get to ask questions and you get their 100% attention, which is crazy cool. Because a lot of times, you know, you can't just go to an event or meet someone and like, you're not going to just get to talk to Jocko randomly. But because you have a platform he can help people on, you get to do that. So I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: What Do you have any like favorite guests that you've had on your podcast? And I know you love all your guests, so don't take it that way. But anyone that just stands out more?
1: Yeah, you know, I... I have really, th- there's been quite a few that I've just really, really loved. Um, I really liked um, interviewing Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and it's a lot of it was just because he's Matthew McConaughey and, you know, just being able to, for me, that interview was really cool because number one, I loved his book. I thought his book was so good. Uh, Green lights, but number two, you know, for me interviewing Matthew McConaughey, it was such an amazing stamp of validation and proof that I, that that this platform has literally helped me have conversations with people that I otherwise never would have even seen, right. Or spoken to. And it's also been really cool. And I'll I'll use Matthew as an example as well as because, you know, Matthew came on the podcast and he was so authentic and so real, just an everyday dude. Matthew could have said anything. We all would have believed it, Mm -hmm. anything. And here's one of the coolest things about what, what Matthew said. When I asked him a question, I asked him a question about marriage, about with him and Camilla. And I asked him, I was like, Hey man, I was like, how does Matthew McConaughey keep his marriage on point? How do you constantly date and pursue Camilla? And that guy could have said any BS answer Mm -hmm. and we all would have believed him. And here's what Matthew said. He kind of like got uncomfortable. And you could see it in the YouTube video. He kind of was like, he's like, like, you know what? He goes, as you asked me that question, I'm realizing I've been really bad about that lately. He's like, I've been so busy with Sing 2. You know, we're getting ready to launch that. And he's like, I've been so busy with, you know, a couple of the roles that I'm looking at. We're traveling and the kids have activities. And he's like, I've really kind of put my marriage on the back burner this season a little bit. If I'm really being honest with myself, he goes, and that question really poses You know, this thought process in me that I need to take my wife out on a date this week. And I was just like, I was stunned. I was stunned at that authenticity and I thanked him for it. I was like, dude, you could have said anything. We would have believed you. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's just proof though, man, that like, and that, that goes back to your original question where work is going to take some of your time more more time than what you want. Your marriage is going to take more time. Than what he, now he, he's in that season where he's like, you know, he's like, I, I got to put work on the back burner a little bit and put my wife on the front. So, you know, he was definitely one. I just loved his story, how fascinating it was. Plus it was a bit nostalgic for me too, because I took my wife first date. My wife and I went on, uh, was a Matthew McConaughey movie back in college, Time to Kill. So it nice. was really cool. It was very iconic. And she got to meet him too during that interview. Uh, another beautiful interview was Nikki Sixx from Motley Crue. Um, that one my expectations, I'll be in no offense, Nikki, my expectations were very low because I was just like, this is a hard rocker who was on drugs for years, died twice, came back to life. Like this guy's going to be so ate up and he's going to just, it's going to be ridiculous. Probably one of my most favorite interviews because Nikki six is a brilliant man and he's been sober for 21 years. And he was so on point with just some of his answers and imperfections and, I had my my 16-year-old son be a part of that interview. And I, I told my son, I was like, you've got the last question. And I told him, I was like, I don't want to know what it is, but you've got the last question. So I asked Nikki, I was like, hey man, I was like, Ethan's got the last question for you. you down with that? He's like, oh my gosh, of course I am. Let's hear it, man. What do you got, Ethan? And I didn't know what Ethan was going to ask. And Ethan goes, you know, what advice do you have for kids in my generation to live a good life? And I was sitting here thinking like, Oh my God. What is Nikki six going to say? <laughs> because my son who like worships eighties rock and he loves Motley Crue and he loves Nikki six. Oh my God. Buckle, buckle my shoelaces or buckle my seatbelt and tie my shoelaces. Here we go. And Nikki just thought for a second. He's like, that's a really good question. Ethan. He goes, all right, here's the answer. I'm going to give you a shotgun blast to the face. He goes, you know, when I was your age, Ethan, he goes, we used to sneak beer from my friend's fridge, you know, the dad's fridge. He's like, you know, we would smoke weed here and there. He's like, I would highly advise you not doing any of that. He goes, and here's why the drugs that your generation is facing versus mine, they'll kill you. He's like, I can't even tell you how many times I read in my local newspaper of, you know, like these youth athletes who tried weed for the first time. And it was laced with fentanyl and they died. They die. He's like, yeah. Ethan, they die. He's like, so I want you to really hear it from me that if you're around a group of people that are doing drugs and drinking, I'd take I'd take a really good look at that group of friends and find yourself a new group of friends. He's like, because drugs this this day and age, your generation, they don't mess around. And I was just like, holy crap. I was like, I just want to reach through the screen and give that man a hug. So I was like, you yeah. basically saved me. Like, cause he's always going to remember that. So Nikki Six, John Cooper from lead singer of skillet. He, he was awesome. I loved interviewing him, Greg Olson, who, uh, you know, legendary football player, Mm -hmm. uh, now a broadcaster as well. He just had a a story that my God, it would have made you cry with his son, TJ and needing a heart transplant. And, um, those have been some of by far my favorites.
0: No, that's awesome. That that's very cool. So I want to end with one question. I like to ask this question. It's a little bit out there, but I think you'll like it. It kind of will tie into what you're you're talking about. So you can go in the past as far as you want. You can go in the future as far as you want. You get to go and spend it with one person for a year and then bring that knowledge back here. Where would you go? Who would you spend the time with?
1: Wow. I mean, I'm a faith-based person, so I would I would go back and to the time of Christ. And, uh, I'd really, I'd want to watch all that unfold, you know, even become a follower of some kind. Uh, he already has 12, so I, I don't think he had room for a 13th or anything like that, but I would really want to meet him and talk to him and understand his beliefs and understand why he was doing what he was doing and just be able to ask him questions that I knew from the future that perhaps a lot of people back then had no clue about. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I'd want to go.
0: No, I love that. I love that. Any other words of wisdom, thoughts that we maybe didn't touch on in the podcast that you want to leave with the audience?
1: No, I, I, think, I think we really hit it home, but I think it really boils down to, you know, if you don't know a lot of these things, these skill sets that we talked about in this show, as it relates to creating more intimacy and connection with your wife, creating a better connection with your kids, um, your own mindset and that kind of thing. It's really okay if you don't know it. Uh, however, I would encourage you, if you're really wanting that edge that we talked about, if you really want to to live that life that is legendary, you know, we I say it all the time, live legendary. You know, legacy is forever. Here's what I want men to really think. First of all, let me go back real quick. If you don't know these skills, that's really okay, but it's really important for you to learn them, right? And now you have the opportunity to do so and you know where to find them. But here's the other thing that I'll tell you really a good litmus test for me. And I I've used this with my clients is if, if you were to die today, would you have any regrets? You know, are you, you know, have you lived this life where you've been like, Hey, I am all in, like, I'm all in, like, there's nothing left on it. Like, I'll be very honest. If I died tomorrow and if someone told me you're going to die today, I'd be tomorrow. I'd be like, that sucks. But I don't, I'm not scrambling to do anything I haven't done. I feel really good about leaving what I've left on the table. On the flip side, if you're like, I really feel like I'm in that drift, and the drift is what I'll call the wash, rinse, repeat. It's everything is fine, good, busy. You know, you're leaving a crap ton on the table as it pertains to your mindset, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, your marriage, connection with your kids maybe some more leadership skills that you could learn. You're leaving a lot on the table. If you have that feeling, I'm leaving a lot on the table. You got to get busy living, my friend. Uh, you know, to quote Morgan Freeman from Shawshank and get busy living or get busy dying. One of the two. And luckily, what I'll tell you is the guys that do life with us, man, we get busy living because we don't want guys going to their grave with regret. We want guys going to their grave, to their deathbed with a smile on their face. Be like, job well done looked good it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows but mission accomplished
0: i love that larry thank you again for being on the show i appreciate you my friend and for all of those of you listening share this with the dad you know pretty much any dad you know share this episode they need to hear this and until next time like larry says be legendary Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.